Welcome to BitFaced. We're going to put the nail in the coffin that was 2018 today with a traditional BitFaced top 10 episode. Just like last year, Rebecca and Tyler and I did our favorite pop culture from 2017, excluding games, to be fair, since you guys got a whole episode about that. Today, we're going to do the same thing, but with more people. Not only do we have Tyler and Rebecca and myself, of course, we've also got Carl Brevik and Doug Lund from Tap and Geek Out, and we're going to go through our favorite pop culture moments of the year. Let's just go ahead and jump right in, and I'm going to start with one that no one is going to have. No one listening to BitFace has probably even heard of this, but my favorite skateboard company, Girl, came out with a video this year called Doll, and it is phenomenal. It's exactly what you want to watch when you watch a skateboard video. Not only is the skating over the top, but the soundtrack is great. Uh, Remember the name Niels Bennett and Griffin Gass. Remember those two names because I promise you, you will be hearing them talked about in the same vein as skaters like Eric Costin and Mike Mo Capaldi in the future. I love Girl. It's a short 45-minute video. It's free online if you're into skateboarding at all. Hands down, Doll by Girl is the best skateboarding video in the world. Or this year, I should say, not in the world. <laughs> See, and I didn't recognize any of the names you dropped, but now I feel that I can impress someone with skateboard knowledge if I had to. So thank you. That's great. Mike Mapaldi. That's a skateboarder. <laughs> Mike, Mike Mo Capaldi. Yeah, that's it. Just tell him no Malto Manual shit. They'll be impressed. Great. That's it. <laughs> I'll have to agree, though. Doll was phenomenal. It, uh, it would have been on my list had I remembered it, but Eric only brought it up to me when I picked him up from the airport. That being said, seriously... Eric told me about it when it came out. I put it on YouTube. He went upstairs. I watched the whole thing. He came back down and I was like, you need to watch this as soon as possible. And that's just how good it was. Great. (laughs) Yeah, I I knew I would just open. Let's get skateboarding out of the way. And then we don't have to talk about it for the rest of the podcast. (laughs) Well, I'll go into my kind of my number one. And this is something at the end of last year I said would be my favorite movie of the year. And it held up. It was my favorite movie of the year. And so the fact that you haven't seen this, Doug, sucks. But Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse was phenomenal. I haven't seen it yet either. (gasps) I know. I'm sorry. It's so high on my list, but I haven't been going to see any movies. First pick, first elimination, because that knocks something off of mine. It was wonderful. I don't want to go into it either if they haven't seen it, because there's a lot of really good storytelling I'm going to have to argue it's the best Spider-Man movie. And I can I can say that over Spider-Man 2 and Homecoming, which I think are great. But when you look at the story that they tell in Spider-Verse, you not only get a new Spider-Man that the new kids can cheer for, and I think that's the whole reason they kind of bring Miles Morales to the forefront, but you get Jake Johnson playing Spider-Man in sweatpants. And I can't believe it hasn't been cosplayed yet. As soon as I saw it, I was like, oh, there's the Spider-Man cosplay for fat guys like me. I can throw on the Spidey top and the mask and a pair of gray sweatpants and be Jake Johnson's Peter Parker. And he plays the, I wouldn't say the flawed, but the Peter Parker that Mary Jane divorced. The Peter Parker that doesn't really care about being Spidey anymore. And he mentors Maz Morales. And th- again, no spoilers, but their relationship in the film is the is the best thing about the movie maybe absolutely I, but there was so much there was so much good there was so much good i i don't want to spoil it either because my kid who is you know five almost six now sat forward in his chair the whole movie and didn't move 
not even to like eat popcorn. Like he would barely like grab one kernel and be like, ah, because that's how just engrossed in the movie he was. This movie's damn near 100% on both the critic and the audience side on Rotten Tomatoes. I think that tells me everything I need to know. Yeah, I literally just haven't had time yet, but it is is the next movie I will be seeing. If you're a fan of Spider-Man, I think you have to. You owe it to yourself to see it. Not going to say it was the best comic book movie this year, but it was really damn close for me. In fact, I've seen another one that's going to show up here four or five times. I've only seen Spider-Verse once. So I have to see Spider-Verse maybe a couple more times. The art style was was awesome. Soundtrack, voice acting, it's all good. Go see it. Doug. I'm hoping to go see it with you and my boy tomorrow. Let's do that. And it's also your pick. All right. Well, I... Uh, first of all, I want to preface this with I loved doing research for this show. Uh, the, the games episode was great. This one really challenged me because pop culture is a is a very uh, it means a lot of different things to a lot of people. So I tried to be as encompassing as possible. I promise this is going to be the most rambly I am of all episode. I just wanted to give like some context and some thanks for having me do this. Cause this is a lot of fun and, and I appreciate it. I'm glad everybody's here and came to do this. I didn't know Carl was going to be here until I saw his face at the door this morning. And I was so surprised and so happy because I knew, Oh, we're all going to record today. This is going to be awesome. It's fun. And the thing is like, I was invited and there was a part of me that was like, do I message them to be like, Hey, do, do drunk invites count? But I knew this was a bit faced. So no drunk invites are the only kind of invites I give. That's exactly it. That's really sad and pathetic, but, (laughs) but, uh, I was thinking about that on my way down. I'm like, he's not going to be prepared. I I had a feeling you were going to be here, but we, we'd been talking about this stuff for the past couple of weeks and you you didn't have the benefit of seeing all of the, I guess the, the, the requests of the preparation for today. I've been keeping him in the loop. Okay. And see, and that's, I guess intuitively, I just kind of, You've got instincts. That. You got it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so all of that aside, uh, I wanted to to make sure and include some things that uh, fell outside the scope of, you know, what I guess some people might consider pop culture. I wanted to make sure and do one stand-up show. And uh, I realized that uh, I, I thought I was going to go with Dave Chappelle at first, then I realized his came out in uh, November of 2017. There's so much good shit that came out in November mm-hmm. of 2017 that I couldn't put on this list that I really wanted to. So I went looking for, for other properties and um, watched a lot of comedy and Ellen DeGeneres relatable made my list at, at number 10. Uh, Ellen hasn't done stand up in 15 years. Ellen fucking crushed it. And I think everyone in this room, everyone in the world at this point knows how talented she is. She can still write jokes and her timing for a, a stage of, of one is still there. I enjoyed it so much. I've seen it twice now and that's uh that's uncommon for stand-up. I don't usually go back and, and watch it like that quickly. It, it's so good. I love it. I cannot recommend it highly enough for anyone who loves to laugh. That's a great segue too for the next one on our mutual list uh, because it was technically recorded in 2018 tour started before that but uh, and it also segues in from into the Spider-Verse Spider-Verse John Mulaney Kid Gorgeous one of the one of my favorite sets of the year hands down and uh, relevant for politics in an approachable way without being overbearing or sad oh, hard to do these days uh, and then but it, it, this kind of became the year of Mulaney and I think Kid Gorgeous and its success and its rhythm really sets that off because he was getting he's doing everything it feels like these days 
Yeah, and I got to see Mulaney um, live at the end of 2017, um, and he did some of these jokes that showed up in Kid Gorgeous, and they are just phenomenal. I mean, he, Carl and I still, like, quote it just all the time to each other, and it has us busting out laughing. But yeah, his kind of mini foray into politics was really interesting because you had this person who is always so apolitical say okay with how things are I can't say nothing but I still don't want to be that guy and so the way he sets it up is just so relatable and simple but still really really gut busting funny and it came across as to me the most memeable stand up set of the year like hands down like people who've never seen the set still know some kid gorgeous jokes because they were so meme worthy and you know he does play Peter Porker in the Spectacular Spider-Ham. If you need another reason to go see into the Spider-Verse, Mulaney is Spider-Ham. Oh, yeah. Okay. Now, are you guys going to go individually or are you going to go together? So do I go next or are you going, Rebecca? You go next. I think we're just going to share our list. Absolutely fine. Since you knocked one off of me, I'm going to take one away from you, Tyler. My favorite movie of the year was mid-90s. Yeah, that does take it off my list for sure. And it's a movie that not everyone will like. It's done in a very minimalist style is how I will put it. But I related to that movie so much, not only because I grew up in the mid-90s, yes, I know I'm old, but the music, the fact that it was about skateboarding, the fact that it was about friendships, and how you used to entertain yourself when we didn't live in the world that we lived in now, when you could leave the house in the morning at 8 o'clock and come back at 8 o'clock, and my mom would not say a word. And there were no cell phones, and it was just, you come home for dinner every night, and you ride your skateboard and your bike all day long, and you screw around with your friends. And that movie really brought that to me. And then when you listen to some of the hip-hop, in fact, there's a shot at the beginning of the movie where the young kid is looking through his brother's CD collection, and it looks like my CD collection. I mean, when he scans across it. So that really meant a lot to me. Also... There's a scene in the movie where he finally lands his first ollie in his backyard and he fist pumps up into the air and I cried because if you know what that feels like after trying a trick 600, 700 times and finally landing it, Jonah Hill captured that perfectly in mid-90s in that scene and you were sitting next to me and tears were rolling down my face because I was like, I know exactly how he feels in that moment. I felt like that a couple weeks ago. I have it on tape. I can, you know, you can put those scenes side by side and it's it's me and that in relating to that kid. So I loved it. Kid also, uh, I can't remember his name, but also was the voice of Atreus in God of War. So he had a really big year. But yeah, mid-90s is my favorite movie of 2018. Yeah, I knew it would end up on the list somewhere. Um, and I, I had it probably about halfway through. It, it would have been one of my favorite movies for every reason that you mentioned it was just such a movie that you can relate with no matter when you grew up and just feel good about by the end of it no and it's nice when we have nostalgia based movies because that's a big thing right now we're not seeing a lot of tv shows where it's just hey remember what it was like back in i remember exactly (laughs) and uh but when you have when you can have it without feeling bad at the end like you're not there anymore is a great thing and also when it's just not exclusively dependent on that and i think mid-90s really tried to tell a story to it was here's a story here's here's something for you to come away with not just a a bunch of member berries to to keep in your pocket at the end of the film the fact that there's a character in the movie that's referred to as fuck shit because every time he lands a trick he says fuck shit 
that right there. I was like, yeah, that's how my friends talk to each other. That's we could have a fuck shit if, if we would have you know came up with that. I, I love that part of it too. I'm glad you saw it, Carl. I didn't know that yeah, you did. Yeah, no, it was. It's one of those things where uh, being part of SAG, you get, you get a lot of preview movies, and so they send that in because they want me to vote for it. Come SAG Awards, give it a vote. Well, you don't I'm have to. Done. <laughs> Not, for you, anything. You haven't even talked about the soundtrack yet. Because it's also a separate entry on God my list. I'm sorry. Okay, but let's go <laughs> ahead bad. and let's go ahead and get it out there because there's no official hip hop and '90s alternative music soundtrack. There are a bunch of great lists on Apple Music. You guys can go out and download them. I have a couple that are two, three hours long that features songs from the movies. What Doug was talking to, and I will scratch it off now. But Trent Reznor did the instrumental soundtrack for the film, and it was my favorite album this year. And I tell everyone, it's 12 minutes long, maybe 13. You don't have to waste a lot of time listening to it, but it is some, it's the most beautiful music I heard this year. When I get up in the morning, I pour myself a cup of coffee and I play that 12 minutes worth of music. It's just so nice to relax to, to meditate to. And when I heard one of the songs, and I think it's track three in the movie, I was like, who wrote this? I was like, this is some of the best music writing I've seen. And at the end, I saw Trent Reznor, and I was like, ah, well, screw you, Doug. Now I, I <laughs> Not only does he write some phenomenal industrial music and just music in general, but then you have this movie soundtrack. And I know he's done movie soundtracks before, uh, most famously The Social Network, correct? Mm-hmm. But God, the mid-'90s soundtrack, the instrumental mid-'90s soundtrack is, is great. I recommend anyone out there, if you like music, and I know I don't like Disney, but if you like music... Give it a listen. It's 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 great. I loved it. I can listen to it over and over and over again, and I think it fits perfectly with the film. So I just looked at this, and I realized I have a lot of movies, and so instead of going straight into another movie, since we're talking about music, I am going to go to what was one of the top albums that came out this year for me, and it's because it was such a surprise. I never thought it would happen it blew everyone's minds. I'm sure it's probably on at least a list here, uh, but Eminem's Kamikaze. It was on my list. <laughs> I left it off intentionally. <laughs> That's the thing about this format that you were talking about. You kind of have to, you want to pick stuff, but it deserves to be on at least someone's list. I knew it would probably be on Eric's list, but it was an album that I played for two or three weeks straight without switching to other music because it was so phenomenally written. The disses were insane. It was, it was, you know, Dylan spits hot fire. Kind of good. I remember the conversation. uh, I think the three of us were having um, about when it dropped that night, like, holy fucking shit. There's a new Eminem album. Let's give them marks right out of the gate. Completely caught everyone off guard no one saw that coming how the fuck does eminem in 2018 drop an album and no one knew it was going to happen and it was a true return to form i think it was eminem basically probably hearing some things and hearing some of these younger rappers maybe talk a little shit about him and maybe talk about how he's old and him coming out and saying oh okay you you want to you want to poke the bear a little bit and then to come out again somebody i don't know brainlessly released a diss track i'm not even going to mention the rapper because fuck him (laughs) and that eminem came back with what i would argue except for no vaseline by ice cube the greatest diss track in the history of rap basically breaking it down for him like look this is me and this is you and you're only here because i'm here fuck you 
best best album. You got Dre doing the beats. You don't get you get good rap nowadays, but not as much. Eminem's last two releases have not been my favorites in the world, even though they were still good. This was a statement from Eminem, and if this is his last album, if this is how he goes out, he goes out as the greatest rapper of all time. I don't know that I have anything I can add to that. <laughs> I, I think that's where we go, and you can you can go with the next on your list. So uh, the other thing that I really loved about this is that when I decided... I. I, I really want to talk about Eminem, but someone else is going to bring him up. Well, what what else do I do in music? I hadn't really listened, I realized at that point, to a lot of other great albums that I thought would be worthy of this list, so I went looking for it. It's the other thing that I love about this particular format. I discovered a lot of new shit late in the year that I otherwise would not have had uh, probably ever the opportunity to experience. So I, I pulled up these lists, these top 50. I probably looked at six or seven of them. I didn't recognize any of that shit. Like the artists, I'm like, who are these people? A, a few of them. Uh, and I was surprised that I actually recognized uh, a couple of the, the indie um, uh, names. But w- one stood out at me, and it was it was really just the album artwork, and it was Janelle Monet's Dirty Computer, which I like the name too. Uh, I had no idea who this girl was, but I, I spun this album up. That's all I've been listening to. Uh, for the last week now because it is so good and i think it it deserves uh mention in in this list it made a lot of people's top 50 absolutely deservedly so i've since discovered that she's also an actor uh she was in a movie with um uh, i don't i don't know the other actor's name because i'm really bad at that but it's about the women that did the math that put the man hidden figures hidden figures figures. yeah okay so you guys knew what i was talking about see that's why i love you guys She's in that movie. Um, so she's obviously a, a multi-talented uh, individual. Uh, she's really good looking too, uh, which doesn't hurt, you know, in an entertainment career. The album meanders between R&B and rap and pop so effortlessly. I, I'm a big Madonna fan. I have been my whole life, unapologetically. That was the vibe that I was getting for much of this album. I loved it, and I could not recommend it highly enough for anyone who just loves music. Yeah, Jan- Janelle Monae is is a powerhouse of a creative figure. I've I've long adored her. She's also just super incredible role model to younger women, like really encouraging them and a really fantastic feminist as well. So she in addition to everything that she does in her music in her acting, she also will just make these speeches like on stage at her shows that are just these really really powerful moments as well. Speaking on music, as long as that's kind of the category right now, one of the coolest music moments of the year was Childish Gambino releasing This Is America. Oh, yeah. Phenomenal track, but an amazing music video, which just as a fan of film and symbolism and all that stuff was great. I had friends who hadn't dabbled in that at all, were watching this video, who hadn't you know listened to a rap song or anything like it, trying to get symbolism out of that music video. It came out, and that was its own, like, phenomenon for like i'd say a month just hearing people like i think this means this and it was the coolest little conversations coming about from an amazing song and again another guy who was cracking all of 2018 donald glover was just moving and that was such a nice cherry on all of it thank you for for bringing that up because it absolutely deserves to be talked about i i had completely forgotten about it and but yeah i mean it 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 was the water cooler conversation for all ages genders uh 
demographics it's pretty remarkable yeah that's exactly it and it was so kind of nice to just see so many people you know most of my interaction is over social media um but just to see people like really getting deep into the discussion on what certain pieces mean for so long um it definitely was a um more i guess intellectual conversation than i had seen most of my friends have over that video so not insultingly just you know I still go back and watch that music video and I still see things and I'm like, how did I miss that? But that's to your point, you know, this year felt so long that I, I forgot that came out this year. Right. And, and, and there was a lot of that vibe, like even I'm doing it cause I sat and watched it over and over. And I even, before the music video came out, I read an article about some of the symbolism and I was like, Oh, I'm going to catch it all. <laughs> Not the case. And there's people like coming up with things that probably even Donald Glover had no like active intention cause there's so much going on. And it's just that people are drawing this out. That's that's great art. When people are pulling things out that may or may not have been intended originally, that is phenomenal art. Well, yeah, because he pulled in all these actors and he gave them some direction of what he wanted to show and symbolize. But there's there were so many people on screen. Someone had to have done something mm-hmm. that even he was like, wow. Yeah, perfect. That. Keep that in. Yeah. Well, I guess we'll stick with music because I did what Doug does. I started going through lists. And I had the same reaction he did. Number one, why is Cardi B on everyone's top 10? Which was almost every top 10 had Ariana Grande or Cardi B on it. Did it not? It did. I went through all of them. I went through Pitchfork. I went through I went through almost every music list. But it did help me discover an album that I really liked. Uh, Snail Mail by Lush. Which I can describe as Liz Fair meets Pavement meets a little uh, of the Pixies. Loved it. Uh, her voice is great. It's it's a great album. So if you're looking for good independent rock, that was what I discovered and what I pulled off the list. But there was a lot of stuff I've just never heard of before, and I'm really trepidatious about just listening to something based on uh, you know based on a name, if you will. I like to get recommendations from friends or or things of that nature. You you know what I walked away with though, as the uh, the elders of this collection of people, it's often that you will hear one of us say like music just they just no one makes good music anymore music today isn't as good as it was at some you know arbitrary point in the past uh this experience of of listening to a lot of that stuff that i would not have otherwise it opened my eyes to the fact that there's a lot of good people that are making a lot of good different kinds of music and we're, we're fucking wrong. There, there are talented people out there that are still doing amazing things that will still hold up decades from now. Amen. Love that. <laughs> so I had a hard time trying to choose TV shows because I wanted to include TV shows, but the only reason being there was so much good that came out, but a lot of it was a continuation. It was a season two or a season eight Mm -hmm. or, you know, something like that. And I really only wanted to include something that was fresh, you know, first season came out this year. And so I'm going to go with a, I believe this was a Netflix exclusive and it was breathtakingly imaginative it was such a great sci-fi and it's called altered carbon has anyone here seen that i haven't seen it but sterling's been watching it and he's obsessed with it so i've yeah. heard a lot of good things about it okay well i mean to give you a little bit of a breakdown for anyone you know obviously listening who hasn't watched it it is a movie or a show i guess uh, where you don't necessarily die because you can upload your conscious to what's called um 
Well, it's it's basically a little disc. And so they bring back someone to investigate a murder. And that's the whole plot of it. So it's very heavy on like the Blade Runner feel. It's very, yeah, that's the best way I can explain it without ruining too much. But yeah, no, now that you're saying it, I saw the trailer for this and it looked amazing. Yeah. Because imaginative sci-fi is what we really need more of. Because most of our sci-fi genre is like you're saying, it's bringing Blade Runner back. It's Star Wars again. It's all this stuff. And so to have good imaginative new world building in the world of sci-fi man we're aching for it yeah so go out and watch it who's the actor the he played robocop didn't he and then that last failed reboot i think so i don't know peter weller i know him from a show uh called the the fall he plays a, a cop but i can't remember his name he was on house of cards too for the last season that spacey was on I tried Altered Carbon, and I might go back to it, but it's very intellectual is how I will put it. Mm. Not that I'm not a, a smart guy, but it's very much like you can't watch the show and have your phone out. You have to pay attention to every single second. But Blade Runner is a very good comparison. It's very Blade Runner. And the reason I asked about the actor is that I think he's one that's on a, a very steep upward tra- trajectory right now. I think we're going to be seeing a lot more of him. Joel Kinnaman. There you go. And he was RoboCop. Yes, he was. Which we watched that in theaters, and I didn't think it was the worst reboot. <laughs> I didn't see it with you. There was Are such sure? caution even in that statement, though. I'm, I'm positive I because I haven't seen it. Oh, maybe I saw it with my dad or someone. <laughs> <laughs> Again, clearly I don't remember who was there because it, it was, was such <laughs> a memorable experience. And, and I look so much like your dad. So. I was about to say, and Eric's basically your dad. So, I mean, music taste-wise, let's be honest. There's a comparison to be made. And your dad has very, very good taste in music, and I will take that comparison all day long. I'm up next. Uh, I'm working in reverse order here, so I'm on number eight now. This is where Bohemian Rhapsody fell for me. I don't know if it ended up on anyone else's list, but I felt like it, it needed to be discussed and, and acknowledged for what it was. It it wasn't an exceptionally accurate movie because they took a lot of liberty with where things happened in a timeline. Um, I don't think most fans cared. They were there for the reason that I was. I want to show up. I want to see a stellar performance by a stellar actor with a stellar soundtrack, and that is what I got. Yeah, I think the only reason it didn't end up on my list is I haven't seen it yet because I have not had time. But it is, it's right after Spider-Verse on movies I'm going to be watching next. It's just, it's hard, I think, to get a good biopic on someone who was so kind of revered like Freddie Mercury. But I've heard nothing but wonderful things about it. Well, and a lot of the criticism you hear is about how it comes across almost like as a, as a as not propaganda is too strong a word, but it's very queen approved. You wanted to come away wanting more queen, enjoying queen, loving queen. And I, that is an experience I want. Like it, that is a nice element to it. It doesn't always have to be something else. So I'm excited to see it as well. Also, originally, Sasha Baron Cohen was going to play the part, which I think would have been a completely different movie. Now, I haven't seen it. I love Rami Malek from iRobot, also from Until Dawn. Until Dawn, I was just going to say, phenomenal performance there. But no, that's the thing. And he wanted to make it much more of a to-the-truth, by-the-book, accurate. And the band was like, we don't we don't want that movie. I want to see that movie, too, though. I Oh, man, don't get me wrong. Like I was so ready for that movie. But uh, yeah, but there's still a place for fun, and this everyone who's seen it that loves it calls it a fun experience. The 
even if you just see the last 20 minutes, which is a very faithful recreation of the Live Aid performance, uh, which if you haven't seen that like on YouTube, do yourself a favor and just go watch that right now. But they nailed it. And it was it was neat to see. Uh, I think that's when, when Malik was at his best in this movie. And uh, I, I don't know. I can't say enough nice things about it um, because I'm a gushy, gushy Queen fan. I have loved them as long as I've loved music. And... I mean, they're they're iconic, and and this movie is uh, really just kind of a, an acknowledgement of that, if nothing else. So Carl and I are kind of just jumping over our list thematically based on where we go, and that was a really lovely transition from movies or from music back into movies because we were going to bring up Black Panther next. Absolutely, just blown away by it, um, and it was so again like speaking to the politics and the feminism side of it. It was so incredible to see a movie perform that well that had African accents untouched by colonialism. And I even saw a an interview with the director where they were like, "We really, really wanted to be true to what an Africa would sound like if European settlers hadn't destroyed it." So just the 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 political and social like significance of that movie, that casting was enough, even without how well it performed. And the success was so big for the future of film going forward. Cause so long we've had uh, either female led or film, films with diverse casts, very limited in scope or their success blamed on these things quite unfairly. And we got to see that that's not the case. This is one of the most successful superhero movies of all time. And on the touching end, the reason it really hit home for me was as someone who frequents cons, you know, I went to a dozen cons this year across uh, many States. I watched people cosplaying for the first time, not because they never wanted to, but because they didn't have someone to. And I see whole families cosplaying from black Panther. I see groups that never got to, and they don't have to be, you know, again, cosplay whatever you want. That's my big rule. But they don't have to go to a con and be hassled for being Black Batman. They get to be, represent characters that they connected with in ways they did. It reached so far, and it's—I mean—it's still making money. Like the the tally has not ended. And this came out in February or whatever. Like that was this year in the world's longest year, and it's still—it's still there. It's still present. And I'm so like I'm, I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful to see it going forward, and I'm grateful for the the concussive effect it's going to have is going to be felt for decades plus because of what this film achieved and not just from my fat panther cosplay (laughs) (laughs) that was actually the only the only other superhero movie that made my list so it is now off because i just rewatched it and it blew me away even speaking of you know the music and soundtracks that had a phenomenal soundtrack outstanding soundtrack and again it really set set the path because uh, i know it's probably gonna be mentioned later there's another superhero movie made by the other superhero group that like owes a lot i feel thematically to black panther even like there's black panther really sets that mode phenomenally and uh, movies are learning from it in the best of ways across the board another thing that's going to be felt forever is black panther is now ash because of the snap that happened at the end of the best comic book movie this year, let's be fair, and that was Infinity War. That's that's off our list now. Good job. <laughs> How can you not mention a movie where Doug and I went and saw it, we saw it together, and I, I, I'm not going to quote this guy exactly, but when the screen went to black, and when you realized you were not watching a hero movie, the heroes were on the side, you were watching Thanos' hero movie, and the screen cuts black, and someone in our theater goes, what the fuck? That's how you end a movie. 
you know everyone's going to be back. I mean, I understand the argument there. Yes, there's another Spider-Man movie coming. Yes, there's another Black Panther movie coming. In fact, Black Panther is the third most successful comic book movie of all time, I think is what Mm -hmm. I read yesterday. But Infinity War had such good moments for all of the characters that were involved. You get the Captain America coming out of the shadow with the beard, uh, which, I mean, people were cheering for that. My favorite moment, when the suit pops off and the arms come out of Spider-Man's suit, and you're like, of course Tony has him hooked up. The moment that I think made all of us cry, the I'm not feeling so good, Mr. Stark. Oh, my God. I mean, just ripping our heartstrings apart. The fact that Thanos leaves Iron Man. You know, kind of, kind of leaves him alone. Like, no, I, I want you to be remembered. You can almost, you, you have to paint Thanos as the hero. When you tell that story start to finish, the moment Thanos says you should have gone for the head, he wins, man, mm-hmm. and he ends his ending. He said, "I'm going to wake up in the morning and I'm going to look out at the sunrise and I'm going to be happy about what I did." And that is how the movie ends. And I don't think anyone could have predicted that's the film that we were getting. This is going to be Infinity War that comes out in April. This is going to be the last time we see a lot of these actors mm-hmm. play mm-hmm. these roles. I think and I hope this has a setup for the best superhero movie that they made. But Spider-Verse was great. Black Panther was great. There was no better superhero movie in 2018 than Infinity War. To me, the Rousseau brothers came out as some of the greatest filmmakers in the history of film. And they started Winter Soldier's my favorite Marvel film, pre-figuring everything else out. Um, and then they came out with Civil War and balanced a ton of characters in that film and told a story still. And then this came out. And there's no excuses. The problem is this changed the genre in a very hard way for DC because before, like Justice League, like there's a lot of characters to balance. How can we tell like four stories at once? This tells so many stories. And I like I got to meet uh, uh, Sean Gunn, and he told me how the Rousseau brothers even included all directors from other films the song that plays which is my favorite song of all time rubber band man when the guardians were introduced was not chosen exclusively by uh james gunn they went to him and said can you just throw us some and we'll pick the vibe but we want you still involved and so all these little choices that came uh drax's last words the fact that he says quill as his last word that heart wrenched me it's a single word but the relationship through the movies to this point where you realize drax all he was reaching out for is peter oof and and it, there, it, there, it, you see this like you know they're going to come back. It didn't matter, and the fact that it was all the characters you know are coming back dying was so much more powerful to me as a surprise than if they ashed Captain America. Because I went into this going, when are they going to kill Cap? To see those characters, to see Spider Man, to see Star Lord, to see Strange, to see Black Panther, the, those are the ones being ashed. That was a shock. Even though ten minutes later, I'm like, it's going to be fine. But still, the sensation. Oof. And one thing that they did so well is like even before everyone kind of comes together, like um, going back to involving all the directors, like the parts with the Guardians feel like a Guardians movie. The parts with Thor feel like a Thor movie. The parts with Cap feel like a Cap movie. And the fact that they were able to do that and weave so many different styles together to these final couple battles is just mind blowing. Absolutely mind blowing. We have to mention really quickly in the age of the internet, the fact that they spent a million dollars to put Hulk in a trailer to fool the fuck out of all of us. 
that tells me that the Russos are invested in making sure they're telling an amazing story and something that's not going to be ruined. I mean, when you go back to that trailer, it is the Incredible Hulk running up Wakanda with them. That shot doesn't even appear in the movie, first of all, but that kind of misdirection shows, and you can tell that the Russos love all of these characters, and you can see it in every single frame of Infinity War. It was cra- And I, I think to your point, and we knew this was going to happen as soon as DC was like, yeah, we're going to do Justice League, but we're going to do it first. You don't get those kinds of movies without, you're like, you can't balance those stories because, mm-hmm. you know, we have all those stories, but we had to get 20 movies mm-hmm. before we could have this movie. No, and that's and that's exactly it. And they in doing the Hulk teaser, they made this their future films for a good while spoiler proof because now there's like we're seeing things like maybe it goes back in time. We don't know. That could all be a stunt. Everything could be a stunt right now, and that's the best mindset. But yeah, telling a story so completely with so many characters, it there's no excuses for other films now. We can't go. Well, it's just a little overburdened. Infinity War killed so many excuses. <laughs> Fuck you, Russo brothers. <laughs> that was yours, right? It was mine. Oh, okay. We had such good discussion around that that I forgot whose it was. Uh, let's see. I'm going to go back to another cartoon that came out this year uh, that was really, really, really good. I don't think this is going to make any other uh, lists, but uh, Wreck-It Ralph, Ralph Breaks the Internet, has to be one of the best cartoons besides Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse that came out this year. I I went into it hoping that it would be as good as the first. And while I'm not sure if that holds true, it definitely was a phenomenal movie on its own. I I don't think it was as good as the first. It definitely wouldn't make my list. I did like it better than Incredibles 2, which I thought would be opposite. I thought I would like Incredibles 2 a lot better because that didn't make my list either. But Wreck-It Ralph was really good. It was well-written. It was heartfelt. Uh, I didn't have many, many issues with it. The scene with all of the Disney princesses is probably one of the best top 10 scenes of the year and yes i don't like disney <laughs> but i thought that, that that scene was really well done if you haven't seen wreck it ralph 2 it's kind of the middle of the movie i won't spoil how that all pays off but yeah i, I agree with you wreck it ralph 2 was really good and probably a good movie to take your kid to as well absolutely a great movie to take your kid to while he wasn't as engaged i would say that titus loved wreck it ralph you know right after spider-man as well I'm embarrassed to admit that I still haven't seen it. it it's one that uh, just didn't... I, I knew it existed. I could probably go borrow it from the internet if I wanted to, I guess, at this point. But uh, I haven't seen it yet. Well, there's so many movies out right now. Like, just this month, there's so many good movies. It's on my list. And I'm seeing movies. And I'm I'm just not there yet. Like, it's, there's five things in theaters right now that if we all went, I'd be like, I have five films I would vote for. What's up for you, Doug? What's next? I'm going to swing it back to superheroes. And uh, we talked a little bit ahead of the show. This was a late edition for me. In fact, I came out of the cinema 12 hours ago from seeing my, my first viewing of Aquaman and uh, thought about this a lot. D- does it deserve to be put on a top 10 pop culture moments of, uh, of 2018? Ultimately, I decided to include it for one reason. It is not half the movie that Infinity War is, but I loved it, and it is performing well. Not only did I appreciate this, the critics liked it, and the audience. I think the the ratings are are still where the, where um, it, it's it's far more appreciated than uh, the other DC movies. Um, it's already made more money than the uh, Justice League movie has, which isn't a difficult thing to do, as it turns out. But this is why the one thing that I I thought set it 
uh, over the top in, in terms of being included here was it shows that Wonder Woman wasn't an aberration, that DC is making good decisions in their filmmaking now, and we may be on the right track again. This was the first one that had Jeff Johns attached to it, wasn't mm-hmm. it? So I think we're going to get even better as we go forward. And it's got problems, but I really, really right. liked it. Well, and it's lightening up again. DC's been needing to lighten up for a while. Batman's the dark character in a otherwise pretty shiny universe. And the new DCEU became this very dark and gritty place. And so that was one of the fun things. I will admit that I went into it expecting the hottest of garbage. And so my first <laughs> viewing, I went... Yeah, that was a fun movie. Because uh, like, even plot-wise, I feel like it could be broken down to it's Black Panther reversed in, in, in plot. Oh, I like that. Yeah. That, like, that's very true. Um, but uh, Wet Panther. Exactly. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but I saw it the second time, and that's one of those problems, because there are so many bright spots. Then you see some of those problems, I, I felt, on my second viewing, settling in. Um, some writing things. I just, and this is probably, I'm going to, my unpopular opinions will start now for my transition to the next thing on the list. But Jason Momoa, not a good actor. Like I did not enjoy him once. Yeah, I'm, I'm right. I mean, you and I have talked about this quite a bit. I'm right there with you. I've just never. He's I. He's just so one dimensional in everything that he does. Well, and I also I I I have trouble when I find out that an actor is a douchebag in real life. I always have a lot of trouble just appreciating anything that they do whether or not they're a good actor. And so there was a story that came out about Aquaman this year. And I always kind of got a weird vibe from Momoa, but the when Amber Heard, who plays Mara, is a really avid reader. And so while she was like harnessed up in front of a green screen and having all this downtime, they actually made her a green screen bag to keep a book in so that she could read in between takes. But Jason Momoa wanted her to pay attention to him, so he would rip pages out of her book so she couldn't read. And that's just an unforgivable sin to me. And so ever, after that, I'm like, every time he was on screen, I just pictured him ripping up a book and I was like, I, I just don't like you. <laughs> I want to say, though, that he has the opposite effect on a lot of the female population. It's true. When when we went to Comic-Con this year, there was more, I would say, more less hardcore. What, what's, the, what's the right way to, to add those adjectives there? There was more women there that had never been to a Comic-Con before, and they were there to see Momoa. And I wonder how much of that has played into the the sales of this movie and oh absolutely and putting that butts was in like seats. you know talking to my mom and my sister about it because they went to see it shortly after I did they were you know I was talking about like things I liked about the plot and things that I liked about that were you know comparative to the comic books and they were like yeah but Momo was like hot shirtless most of the time I'm like <laughs> okay he's you know he's he's very fit he's not an ugly dude he's not my type I don't get it I think the best thing that Momoa added to the movie for me was some of his like Hawaiian roots yeah. as Aquaman. And I, cause that's not, you know, that's not Aquaman and it's not common, but I liked how he portrayed it in mm-hmm. this particular movie. I just wish those moments felt more part of the character and less Jason Momoa kind of putting that in. Yeah. I, I watched Jason Momoa a lot. I felt, I think that was my, was my thing, but I do agree. I loved the culturalism added. I loved, I thought uh, Django Fett did a great job. Oh yeah. Uh, it was dad. nice to see him back on screen. And the other thing, I think it's something you, we talked about briefly. This for me, the soundtrack was, even worse the second time and i'm a big fan i think correct me if i'm wrong harry gregson williams did it i don't know if anyone can fact check that one of my favorite composers of all time and so i saw that and was like if nothing else i'm gonna have a great time with the soundtrack i didn't and- have a problem with his music though i had a problem with the the hip-hop 
and it just it completely took me out of the movie. That moment killed it. But the other thing was there was. I thought bomb, bomb, bomb was the Black Manta theme, but apparently it was just the ominous sentence theme. And you learn that in your second viewing. Because anytime someone says anything somewhat threatening, I am Ocean Master. Bomb, bomb, bomb. It's the exact same. Three notes. Every time they say something ominous. And that's something that threw me out. I was like, ugh, who edited the, the music? I figured at many points in the movie, this it reminded me of the uh, Stranger Things music. It's like, maybe they just cut and paste from that movie it was so it was it was jarring it was one of those things like you said it takes you out of the movie i don't know if it totally detracted from the experience for me because the whole time that i was sitting there i'm like that doesn't make sense that doesn't make sense that is fucking ridiculous and i fucking love it all (laughs) one of my one of my most positive reviews is it's a fun movie even on mute because it's so visually cool yeah I feel like they took some influence, and I I think I brought this up to Eric, but I I feel like they took some influence from like Tron Legacy. Yeah, Tron I heard also, because yeah. uh, a little bit from the sounds, but when they jump in the the sh- the fish ship to get out from the trial and everything, they're like doing what's basically like light cycle races through the ocean, and I was like, oh, all right, this is really fun. <laughs> Echoes of it not only in the the visuals, but the the music is. I remember sitting there thinking like. Maybe that's intentional. Maybe they're trying to portray the under ocean environment as an analog to space, uh, which is very appropriate in, in a lot of settings. But it, again, it's just one of those things that's like, if you'd made a few different decisions and giving me a soundtrack that sounded more like deep ocean sound, there's so many different things they could have done there. But uh, they, they didn't. They did not. <laughs> And I was extra disappointed with the soundtrack, too, because it started on such a high. Like, Sigur Ross is a phenomenally gorgeous um, band. And just having, like, that whole scene with the snow globe and the, the, the cinematography for that whole, that whole beginning and that whole setup was just gorgeous. And so I loved that. And then the rest of the movie kind of fell flat after that for me. It's like when you watch an episode, an anime, and the first episode has a bunch of boobs in it, and then they don't come back the rest of the, episode, the season. They're like, "We got this, just to keep you watching." I felt that with the very start of the film. It's like you're gonna be a cinematic Sigur Ross cinematography. Just kidding, Jason Moe's gonna like kick ass for the next two hours. We're, we're not going back to that. It was it was all right. I didn't hate it. Uh, Black Black Manta, I felt was very underused. I could give a shit about Ocean Master. Don't care don't like that actor that much either not a big fan of his and i know that that's blasphemy and he's in tons of stuff do do you disagree though i i think it was enough i think it 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 was just enough to to keep dc pointed in the right direction it was i have some of the same problems rebecca has with jason momoa i mean he is wooderson come on there's no other way to describe it every time he does something he's he's like duffman all right i mean every yeah. fucking time he does something it was shot well Amber Heard's jellyfish dress, that's the sexiest thing I've seen all year. I'll give it points for that. When she walked out in that, I was like, holy shit. I think for a movie that's called Aquaman, they spent a lot of time on the surface. But, you know, those underwater shots probably were millions of dollars a piece. So I I get that. But I do think they're learning. They're learning important things, including don't shy away from the cores of the characters. He rode seahorses. He talked to fish. He did Aquaman things, and they weren't afraid of that fact. Very risky. Which was the first time they've done that, even with less risky characters. Like Superman, Man of Steel never felt like Superman that I knew. Like they had, what can we do to update Superman? No, no, no. Give us Superman. They and they were 
Justice League Aquaman was a train wreck to me because of that. It was like, how can we make him different? Didn't and, do anything in Justice League. No. And then this came out and I was like, it's literally the ripples from the old 70s cartoons coming out of his forehead to talk to fish. I was like, that is the good choice. And a, a good facsimilation or facsimile of the original costume. I know you can't do the orange and green, mm-hmm. exactly. but they did that costume and I thought they did that well. So I'm going to segue into a, 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 a it's been an unpopular opinion that every kind of gone to so far. Solo, a Star Wars story, phenomenal film. It's on my top 10. I didn't even ask. It's on my top 10. And it's not only a phenomenal Star Wars film, it's one of my favorite Star Wars films to date. Top three, probably, if I ranked it out. Weakest writing this year was how Han Solo got his last name. And I will, I will, I will stand to that forever. I've never looked over at Doug and just been like, wow, dude, we could have come up with something better than that in five minutes, and we're not paid writers. <laughs> I don't think it was as horrible as everyone says it is. I'm more on your side that I will watch it again, and I, I did like it. There's a, I think there's a lot to like about it, mm-hmm. but it's also a tale of, of three directors. It, that does feel, you do feel that. But at least the thematic of making it a fun Star Wars film again, it was almost like Aquaman, where it's like, they're making it fun again. Donald Glover was phenomenal in that, and I just want a closet of capes now. Absolutely. All of my opinions are, are unpopular. <laughs> like, I don't think I have one that like a lot of people agree with. I did. I liked it a lot more the second time. I don't think Han's name ever should have been talked about, let alone in the, the horrific way that they did it in this movie. Uh, I thought the mystery was part of that character. I was so looking forward to Glover's performance, and I thought thought it was one-dimensional um i i just i think i i wanted more um and i walked out of the theater the first time feeling very disappointed that happens a lot though and i'll watch a movie a second i hated infinity war the first time <laughs> I, i'm not gonna i'm not gonna you well we we did a cast on this like i i really didn't think it was good the second time it blew my doors off i, I think i was like open to it um solo is uh it's it's one that i'm glad that they they got out of the way with the direction that they're going, um, they feel compelled to like zero in on a few of these characters. I think that's the wrong thing to do in the Star Wars universe. So I hope they abandon that format quickly of let's talk about just this character. Yeah, the the only guaranteed stuff is Rian Johnson's whole new trilogy with whole new characters. Like after Solo went down, box they, office wise, now most Star Wars stories are kind of very on the fence at best but canceled most reputably yeah because they canceled obi-wan and everything else like that so they did take away a lot of the single character stories so i think yeah i think we are going to get a lot more like rogue one was a lot of characters and that was that was phenomenal too i liked rogue one i did too i'm going to seg this into the last movie on my list something i don't think is going to be on anybody's list but needs to be we just had a comedy come out with two actors that are in Talladega Nights that is completely bombing is considered the worst movie of the year. And it got me to thinking, we don't really get a lot of good comedy anymore. But no, we did this year because the boys were back in the uniforms and Super Troopers 2 came out on 420. The fact that Broken Lizard was able to open number one at the box office for one day, five guys that kickstarted this movie, something they were passionate about. I think it holds up. No, it's not as good as the first Super Troopers, but nothing ever would have been. I, I did have to take this off my list, and I would argue that this is a movie that I would describe as at least as good as the first one, in my opinion. 
there's some lines in it that are that are great. In fact, when Farva says, uh, you don't look at the mantle when you're stoking the fire, I lost it in the theater. <laughs> I'm a big Kevin Heffernan fan, though. I'm a big fan of Broken Lizard in general, and I, I, I felt a little invested in Super Troopers, too, because I knew so much about the behind the scenes. I gave money to the Kickstarter. I really wanted this film to happen, and I also really wanted this film to be successful because I knew it would mean we would get at least one more project from these dudes. I don't think they get enough respect. I don't think they get enough admiration, and I think they do write some of the best comedy that's out there today. The other reason I have to put Super Troopers 2 on the list is all of my friends flew out to Colorado to hang out, and we got to all see it together. And what kind of movie is going to bring all of your bros together like that? And I think we all left the theater very happy. We all left the theater after laughing a lot, so I couldn't. 2018 can't go by without mentioning the, the Troopers. There was definitely enough chicanery in that movie that <laughs> it was. it is worth seeing and seeing again. Chicanes. Yeah, you just knocked number two off my list also. <laughs> Well, walk faster, Finger Blaster. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm going to go with one that I don't know if anyone here has seen. I'm going to go back to a show, and it's because it is another sci-fi that came out. I expected it to be awful because I loved the movie, and it's Lost in Space. If you haven't seen it. It's fantastic. It is phenomenal. I do not know how it didn't get more attention. Now I'll watch it. Yeah. Uh, so I'm only partway through, but only because my parents were watching it right when I walked in one time and they ruined a bunch of stuff. And I was like, why? <laughs> so I need to go back and finish it. You know, I think what we've discovered today is you just need to focus and maybe you would finish things. <laughs> it seems like people ruin a lot of stuff for you. And I think that might be half your fault. I'm not. God of War was definitely on Doug. Red Dead's on you, though. God of War was definitely on Doug. Like, I was sitting there trying to finish the game, and he's like, oh, yeah, and then this. And I'm like, what are you doing? And I was laughing my up. ass off. It, I fucked up. Yeah. I acknowledge it. <laughs> I started Lost in Space. I was really intrigued by the fact that Parker Posey is in it. I think that actress doesn't get enough credit, much like the Broken Lizard Troop. I'll go back and, and watch it. You finished it? I've watched it twice. Enough said. It, it's the perfect blend of fresh and uh, honoring the classic. It's fantastic. I cannot get my wife to watch it. I do not know why, because she usually will tag along for something I give a half-hearted recommendation to. She's got a real strong objection to it, so there must be something about it that's like not resonating with people, but they dropped it, and then you didn't hear anything else about this property. Which is crazy to me, because even like you start the show, and visually... Everything that goes on is beautiful, and it, it must have cost a lot of money to make, so I, I hope that it made enough money as a show to continue on, because it is a show worth watching, and maybe even watching twice. I, I hope so, too, because the whole first season is a setup for bigger and greater things to come, and you can't, you can't end on the note that they did and not give the fans something else. <laughs> oh, am I up? You're up. All right, I'm going to stick on uh, Netflix properties then, and I'm going to put The Haunting of Hill House on the list because it was a lot of fun. It is not horror. I don't care what anyone tells you. There are some scary moments in it. It is, it is, uh, it is family dynamic storytelling is, is what this is with, with some horror elements. Uh, beautifully shot, fantastically acted. You will not find 
a better acted series in 2018 than Haunting of Hill House. There are some amazing theatrical moments. I mean, like stage theater moments. I think it's episode six. I won't say anything that happens in it, but there's a shot that's almost 12 to 14 minutes long, no breaks. So literally everyone's delivering lines. The camera's just moving. You explore this building they're in as they perform nonstop. I, I have, my brother tipped me off on this and he has all of your opinions. My one thing is there's some of the acting that I felt was overburdened by we're good acting. It's a monologue heavy show. And 75% of them were phenomenal, but that makes those 25%, uh, like the first interview that the oldest son has, fall a little flat. Okay. Just in comparison, because there's so many bright spots. But never go into the show thinking it's a horror film. Never let anyone convince you. It's a show about grieving. It's a show about family connection. It's a show about death. But you got to pad your feels before the show because like i came into it expecting horror and i'm in episode three going holy crap i just feel like garbage like i'm so sad <laughs> it's so it's so worth it though i mean the yeah, no, uh it's true the and i love that they have found a way to tell these kinds of stories that are uh, hopefully going to be in in a franchise where they can do these different pockets of people that have had this experience and that's what the 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 series will be about or any given season is like how did it damage these people and how are they dealing with that it's beautiful i hadn't heard of this at all so now i'm going to go into it not thinking it's a whore and i'm probably going to really enjoy it based on what i'm hearing so my parents both loved it and when i went home they recommended that i watch it and they also did not paint it as horror and they know i'm their son how much i love horror movies so (laughs) I, I'm looking forward to watching it too. In fact, I added it to my queue, so I'm glad that you brought it up because it's that's a lot of a lot of influence there. So, continuing on the Netflix train, I have really, really been enjoying the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. It's just really well done and really polished. It's probably more horror than Haunting of Hill Houses. It's, it's got a lot of gore a lot of tension a lot of very scary scenes but the characters are just really well written and fleshed out it does a lot of really great criticism of like the catholic church just by showing the satanic temple in contrast with it and it's just i don't know it's just really good no and it becomes wildly accessible it's old school comics brought to life in a better way it's 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 not buffed off edges uh, it's what you read back in the day. It feels very Constantine-esque at times, um, but and, yeah, it's really cool that for that for that vibe. And I like how it mutually just it, it it's it's critical of everything in a very fair way when it what does want to make a statement. Like the coolest thing is the Church of Satan in this series is any church. It's just like here's here's some criticisms of general churches, and likewise though everything has power. Like every myth is relevant, and I love when they can do it. Like. The Catholic Church has air quotes power, same as uh, you know the witches do, but it's different and varied and competitive, and nothing is like there's only one true way, and it's another key, neat vibe that kind of carries through uh, about just open mindedness. And that's another one where so many of the actors, even some of these like kind of younger high school age kids, are just really really talented people, just dealing with a lot, going through a lot, and and um, and uh, communicating all of that to us so well yeah i've been loving the hell out of it you as a horror fan might actually really really like it well and eric has been watching riverdale and has been singing praises about it from day one how much or if any overlap is there between those two series it's the same universe and so there's gonna be more planned crossover to it but it's the vibe of riverdale just with yet more creep factors what i would tell you like it's that with it's riverdale plus significant horror and mixing some exorcist vibe and you got sabrina 
I wasn't sold. such a I wasn't such a huge fan of the original Sabrina, but I've heard that even with that, I should go back and watch this. It's a different show entirely. Like it, it almost is better if you don't go in with those fetters of expectation or experience. We both watched the original Sabrina. <laughs> Yeah, so our few criticisms, like there's one character that I really loved in the original, and the original was very like campy. It was kind of written for like younger women, but there was one. There's <laughs> canned laughter, isn't there? <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah, I think so. And a talking cat. That's the comedic part of it. it. Yeah, but so there was one character that I really enjoyed in the original that I don't like in this one, but it's because it's so different. So it's honestly better if you haven't seen the original or if you don't even really like the original. I will go watch Sabrina though, I, because. Also, my mom said, I started it, but it was too dark. And I was like, yep, add to the queue. <laughs> yeah. It's very dark. It's, it was sh- it, to the point where like, I've been watching the episodes just like an hour ahead of him and giving him content warnings. Like, okay, there's some jump scares here. There's a really gory death here. <laughs> you can't tell him about jump scares. That's just not fair. You have to not, experience not where those. where they are, just that they're in that episode. Which kind of makes it worse. Because then it's like, <laughs> it, when's it going to happen? <laughs> when's it going to happen? You're welcome. <laughs> I'm going to go away from Netflix, but I will do my favorite television show of 2018, and it wasn't even close. And yeah, Doug, you can go ahead and mark it off the list, because there was no better show this year than Cobra Kai. Didn't happen. I've watched it through five times now, start to finish. That's how much I love it. In fact, when I was home with my parents, I made them sit down and we went start to finish in the series. These are characters you never thought you would see again. I've never seen a show that toes the line of who is the bully and who is the good guy, as well as Cobra Kai does. The best ending of any show this year. You want to talk about not only the fact that Daniel and Robbie show up and you open a gate and you see the yellow car that daniel waxed dun, 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 you get dun. the music and they're there but then you get to see johnny still drinking with his 2018 all valley karate championship trophy and then a shadowy familiar figure walks in with a cigar and gives a speech and you realize that crease is now back i liked the young characters i liked the characters that i love there are more throwbacks and references to the original karate kid movies in there that i am still finding now the way certain shot works the way the musical cues worked episode five there's a scene where daniel goes to miyagi's grave and i pour tears every single time it happens when daniel bows if you're a fan of the karate kid if you're a fan just of good television i will say that because it's it's the highest reviewed show, I think. It was still perfect on Rotten Tomatoes last time I checked. 100%. So no one has said a bad thing about Cobra Kai. Best television show of 2018. It really twisted my heart a lot when uh, I forget the young kid's name that uh, that was being taught. Miguel or Robbie? Yeah, Miguel. And uh, when I, because I really liked Miguel and I liked his character. And to see him like unintentionally start turning into this this character that i didn't want him to go towards was just ah i was like stop it please johnny realizes it in the last five minutes of the last episode and i'm really curious where they're going to go with that because johnny basically tells him we don't want to win like that and miguel says no sensei there's nothing wrong with winning this is what you taught me and he takes robbie down cheaply and wins I love the way that they laid everything together, all of the pieces. I think we're going to see Daniel's daughter fight next season. That's certainly alluded to that she's going to join, and I would assume she's going to be Miyagi-Do. 
there'll be more students there. Look at the transformation from Lip to Hawk in that character. The front vag wedgie, come on. (laughs) There was so much good stuff in in Cobra Kai. I can't say enough about the show. And in fact, if you want, there's an episode of Bitface. You can go back and listen to the whole thing where Doug and I talk about Cobra Kai. So we'll we'll stop there. But it had to get brought up this year as my favorite show. Uh, So much has happened this year that I literally forgot that that was this year. Like, it's so much has happened this year. I purposely left it off my list because I knew you would have it on there. I, I had to put it on. It, it was uh, at the top of my list because it uh, it was. It was the best show on on television in 2018. So initially we had talked about trying to run this a little bit lower. It has not happened because... <laughs> I've only got one left. Uh, all right. I'm down to two. I've got four. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> you did a better job than, than I did. I can I can winnow as necessary too. Um, so yeah, I'm a little running out of time. So all right, I'll try to. I'm just gonna go real quick for my last two. Maybe have short discussion, then we can maybe do that for the rest of everyone else. So I have one album, and then one other Netflix show movie. So uh, the album is uh, How to Friend Love and Freefall by Rainbow Kitten Surprise that came out at the beginning of this year. So good. It's phenomenal. I still listen to that and I go back to it and I think, how did this come out in 2018? Because it feels like something I've been listening to for years. I did not see it on one list this year and I was shocked because it seems like it has that indie critic proof vibe. It's it very, I compared to TV on the radio. It's very much like, oh, here's a band I can play for my dad. Here's a plant band I can play for Doug. Here's a band Tyler might like, and I'll send it to Rebecca too. Like, I would, I would recommend Rainbow Kitten Surprise for anybody, but I, sh- I saw it nowhere. No, I'm just saying I, I got into the band exclusively for the name and have loved it ever since. But this was one where it popped up on my. This was one of your top played songs from of 2018 songs, and I had free for- fall. Yeah. yeah, and I had forgotten. I had forgotten that this. I was like. <sighs> I listened to this obviously number one this year, and it, but I just didn't put it on the list. It was it, it was even so. I think the other people building their lists were like, "Oh yeah, that's this year." And the last thing that I have on my list is something that just came out. So, uh, and I got some time to sit around drunkenly playing with this was Black Mirror Bandersnatch, uh, which was a choose your own adventure movie show (laughs) on netflix and it was so weird and so crushing and it made me feel like all my choices in life are probably terrible (laughs) and so what did you learn from (laughs) from from this then (laughs) (laughs) but it's just I, i definitely recommend to sit down take the time and it's gonna take time because I have a an image of the choices you can make and all of the different ways you can go through the movie, and it's worth doing. It's a lot of fun. I I, I hope we see something else like this come out. It felt a little gimmicky when I started it, but by the end, I was like, oh my gosh, this is a lot of fun. Yeah, it's they've your chart looks a lot more complex but they've said it's basically five narratives that you could work through depending on the choice you make and get end up with uh, five different endings that are very very different than one another are you going to finish out doug is that how we're doing this um you want to run through your four real quick do we want to oh my so i did since we didn't get to talk about it in the game episode i did want to make a point to mention uh astrobot rescue mission which was a 
incredible experience in VR. Eric, you've said a number of times that it's not quite there yet, and you're right. They've still got a lot of improvement uh, that they can do in the VR space. That being said, this was easily the the most fun I've had in a platformer in years. And when I say fun, I mean it's like unadulterated. Nikki's got video of me sitting there grinning like an idiot with the VR headset on, and and I'm just I'm I'm entranced. It's uh, VR is to the point where it can make you feel like you're somewhere else. And it takes 30 seconds before you buy into the fact that you're in this crazy little world where all these adorable robots are running around and it's your job to go save them all. And it's, it's indescribable. That's the only word I can ever use to talk about VR games because when you watch them on the screen as an observer, it is not the same experience as putting that headset on and seeing things fully rendered in 3D and feeling the light, the sunlight on you, even though it's dark outside and all of a sudden it's it's a bright, cheery day and you're on a mission to do this thing. It, 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 uh, if if you have the opportunity, if you know someone, because VR gear, it's an investment and not everyone you know has the time or inclination or even the stomach for it to be honest. But if you get a chance, give this game a shot. It, it's a uh, it's a highlight of 2018 that a lot of people won't get the chance to experience because they don't play in, in VR a lot. Please make sure I'm coming in to ring in the new year with you tomorrow that we put aside some time to play it because you're gushing about it, so I can tell that I'm going to enjoy it. Oh, you're, you're going to love it. So I go through the rest of your three, you know, and then uh, you have two and you have one, right? I have one. There you go. So you know what? I'm just going to end on this one. Um, my favorite pop culture experience of 2018 has been being part of this group static jive qualifies as pop culture i almost absolutely i almost put something similar on my list i even went episode specific you saps riverwatch brewing company i interviewed revenge of the nerds carl weathers trish and lita Best episode I did this year was Riverwatch Brewing Company with Tap and Geek Out. Guys, we we made a lot of uh, we made a lot of new friends this year. We did. We set in a lot of new watermarks that that didn't exist. A lot of it happened late. A lot of it happened by chance. A lot of it happened because of a lot uh, a lot of other people in our periphery and in, in this sphere of amazing people that you guys have attracted. Uh, starting with Bitface, and I love being a part of. It. I can't tell you how much it's changed my life. I used to worry about what it wasn't a lot. I have given up that story. And 2019 is going to be about what it is and what it can be. I don't give a fuck what anyone thinks, including some of the people sitting in this room, what it should be. Let's just enjoy it for what it is. A fucking men. Jason Lee, respond to our email. (laughs) So I have another movie. Uh, I've lived in Colorado Springs since I've been two on and off. I'm Colorado native. And so when a film uh, by Spike Lee came out, I was already excited. And then when it was set in Colorado Springs, I lost my mind. And when it was of a topic as relevant as it is now, I super lost my mind. Black Klansman uh, is, to me, possibly the most relevant film of the decade. Um, and one of the most sensational viewing experiences, because it's not encumbered by the message it's sending, it's still a phenomenal film. Uh, but seeing it from Colorado Springs is like the ideal way to do it. And 
it's I, I, I could go on for days about this film and its relevance, but I will say I just yesterday from my brother who works the emergency room up at Denver Health was taking neo-Nazi tattoos off of a neo-Nazi because he had seen Black Klansmen and it changed his life. And he gave, gave up the way. And so when there's just any, that one story is enough. But I sit and I, what the best thing this film does is goes, here's a story of racism from the 70s. And then it makes sure you know we're not, that's, no one can leave the film going, but it was the 70s. It's expertly done. It's, it's a film for people who need this film right now. And that's my just pop culture moment of 2018. And then the last one that I kind of wanted to bring up. So there was this really wonderful book released this year um, called 100 Women in Gaming. Thank you for doing a book. Thank you so much. <laughs> I had a couple books last year. Yeah, Rebecca did. She had a podcast last year. She had all sorts of... Yeah, I was pretty well varied. But this book, this was such a powerful moment. So I actually got to go to the release party because the author and several of the people interviewed for the book are based in Silicon Valley. And so I got to go to the release party and actually get to talk to some of these, the first women in gaming that worked for Atari back in the day in their marketing department, in their research department, in their art and graphics department. And they got to talk very firsthand about, we, we kind of had like two groups of, of people talking to us. We had people who had been in gaming for since the beginning and the people who are very currently in gaming now and so we got to really get an all-encompassing look at kind of the evolution of women's place in gaming and how, how where it started where it kind of regressed to and how we're trying to get back to where it was or even better and so that was just to be in this auditorium listening to these women talk was just such an incredibly powerful moment more so than I had even anticipated when I signed up for this event but the book itself I I've just been reading a few bios every day and the 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 level of talent that's in it and the the spread of of professionals because you have everyone involved in every single stage of gaming development or gaming appreciation people who run the community programs for games um, people who are just activists now like we got to talk to a woman who um, has a whole activism centered around gaming video games as art and that's her thing like getting video games into even modern art museums she worked on flower and journey which Journey was at Atlanta's Museum of Modern Art for a women in gaming exhibit that they did several years ago and absolutely deserves to be recognized as an art form. So that book is really incredible. 100 Women Gaming, uh, 100 women in gaming by Megan Marie. Absolutely a must pick up. I have to ask, did Roberta Williams make the list? No. That's surprising because when I think of women in gaming, I think of the woman that invented King's Quest. And how much she had as far as that influence goes. Yeah. I'd have to look. I don't rec- I don't remember. And Amy Henning from Naughty Dog too. That name I do I do remember. But Roberta that. Williams, maybe she's not in the book because she doesn't talk to anybody anymore because and of how bad thing. her experiences that's, were. That's the thing. Like Megan was very careful to basically only pick women that she could talk to. And these are very much like first hand experiences. Mm. Roberta had such a bad taste in her mouth after dealing with the game industry in the early, 
early 80s up into the mid 90s that she doesn't do interviews anymore i don't think well and that's kind of like one of the rough pop culture moments of 2018 was how many people were bullied off of social media bullied off of interactions you look millie bobby brown uh actress from star wars it's kelly tran Tran, thank you Uh, that's happening all the time a little fun fact that I didn't know that maybe you guys did. I didn't realize that one of the founders of Atari also founded Chuck E. Cheese. Yeah, Nolan Bushnell. Yeah, right? I didn't know that. I didn't either, but Eric was like, right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he just died. So rest in peace, Nolan Bushnell. Yeah, he just died. Well, they go hand in hand. It's a, a place you could go to play video games, and then you have video games at home. He's a fascinating dude. Right. And so we actually got to talk to um, one of Atari's earliest like um, artists, and she actually did the design for Chuck E. Cheese, and she was talking about how he came up with the concept of all of that, and that was really fascinating. Where a kid can be a kid. <laughs> That's right. Doug and I used to go all the time. <laughs> to play video games. To play video games. And I... I want to end on my last one, another very positive thing in video games this year that's kind of on the periphery. I don't know if it's as positive for Rebecca's, but maybe it is. Xbox gets a lot of shit for not having exclusive games, for dropping in sales. They released a controller this year that lets everybody play Xbox. The adaptive controller for Xbox came out this year. Our friend Mike the Quad actually got to test it, and I've talked to Mike about it. And Mike, if you're listening, and I know you are, you promised to come on up an episode and really give us insight on how you tested this thing. But when I saw the commercial before Spider-Verse for the Xbox adaptive controller, I cried tears of joy because it was a friend with all of his friends. And you can tell he's a little bit different but he's playing with everybody and my mom was like you're so sad and I was like no I'm so happy because one of my friends Brad who was on the second episode of BitFaced I want to say or not the third one thing he always says to me when he sends me a controller or sends me a game is keep gamers gaming and I think we have a lot of gamers out there that maybe weren't gaming because they couldn't pick it up because it wasn't as easy for them Microsoft changed the game this year, and the fact that it's going to put a controller in more people's hands, you can't really look at that as anything but a win in 2018. So I think that's where we end. Is that okay, guys? I think that's the perfect place to end. Any, any episode that ends with you tearing up is, I think, a wonderful episode. <laughs> well, then, it, it, it's a wonderful life. And to echo Doug's point earlier, I want to thank not only everybody in this room for making everything happen that happened this year. <laughs> <laughs> Because we're such pros. But I want to thank everybody out there listening. I will look back on this year as the first year that I really tried to interact with everyone. And I've not only made a lot of good new friends, but I've had a lot of really good conversations with you guys. And I had some a couple really bad days. And I'd get a message from someone that I haven't talked to in six months. And they'd say, oh, Eric, man, I can't believe you did that episode. Or, oh, Eric, I can't believe that this happened to you and they were proud and they're proud of all of us and that's that's why we do this right guys thank you everyone that came to the betface christmas party i hope you had a good time i know i certainly did we really appreciate everyone coming out we've got a lot of good exciting shit planned this year uh thank you all uh rebecca carl doug tyler i'm eric and welcome to 2019